Greetings, Northlings, and welcome to Haunted Up North, the supernaturally sedate podcast dedicated to the telling of real-life paranormal experiences from the north of the UK. I'm your host, Victoria, and I hope you find yourselves scintillated, scared, and most importantly, it's very important... Very important indeed that you are entertained by the spectral tales I'm about to tell you today. Hi, by the way, hi. Hope you're okay. It's getting quite hot here in England at the moment. Personally, I don't especially look forward to the summertime. (laughs) I did a very Barry White thing there, because I ran out of breath. I meant to say that I don't especially look forward to the summertime as much as I do the autumn or wintertime, for as you've probably guessed by now, I'm a child of the night. I prefer wrapping up and being cosy to being awoken by the invasive summer morn sunshine before my body's ready to engage with civilization. There's so much pressure to be in, in the summer, and do stuff in the summer that you don't really feel during colder months. You're actively encouraged to chill out more when it's winter, which I like. However, I do have to say this last winter in particular in the UK and everywhere, everywhere in the West where cold weather hits during the months of, you know, October, November, December, January, February, March, April. (laughs) It seemed to last a long time this year and it was pretty gruelling in terms of being absolutely freezing Especially when I went away to New York at Christmas where temperatures dropped to as low as minus 14. I feared for my face and ears. I thought they would be frozen off. But anyway, my point is that even though I love winter, the last one seemed to go on forever. A bit like this uh, introduction. So despite my usual reluctance to enthusiastically embrace the summer, I'm actually enjoying a bit of sun this year. (laughs) I'm actually enjoying a bit of sun this year. Do you know what I'm also enjoying? I'm also enjoying being thankful to those who've supported the podcast this last month on the Haunted Up North coffee page. In particular, my latest coffee supporter, Seth. Big, big shout out to you for your recent contribution to the show. Paranormal offerings such as Seth's go towards keeping the show going, such as helping with hosting fees and website bills, and they also help with improving the overall quality of the podcast, which means, hopefully, a more enjoyable experience for those listening. That's you, by the way. So thank you, Seth. Thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. You're a great guy. Two enthusiastic thumbs up at you, wherever you may live or wherever you may be at this particular moment, if you're listening. Another big Haunted Up North coffee page supporter thanks goes to my very good friend Joss, who I've mentioned on here before. He recently supported the show and wrote a special little message, which read, I'm still listening. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, that's creepy. He doesn't really talk like that. He talks more like this. I'm still listening. No, no, no. He doesn't talk like that either. But he did leave a message, and he did say this. I'm still listening. I hope one day you'll talk about the curse of the dirty bottles. 
So Joss and I met quite a number of years ago while we were working in the same writing department and we ended up sitting next to each other for a big chunk of that time, during which we realised we basically liked a lot of the same funny, silly, hilarious things and also a lot of the same dark, mysterious and spooky things. And one of the dark, mysterious and spooky things we talked about was the legend of the Dirty Bottles at the Dirty Bottles pub on 32 Narrowgate, Annick, Northumberland. The Dirty Bottles, as you might have guessed from a previous sentence, is the name of a pub. A very old pub in a very old building, believed to date back as far as the 1600s, which houses a curious collection of incredibly dusty bottles on display in one of its windows, viewed easily from the street, and I remember my dad pointing them out to me as a kid when we used to holiday up that way every year. And it's a childhood memory that's always stuck with Joss as well, as he spent most of his formative years around the Northumberland area also. They're very grey, very dusty, and encrusted with aged matter. You can't deny how old these bottles are. It's definitely no joke that these bottles have been sitting in that window uncleaned for literally centuries. There are four of them on a wooden crate, three standing, one overturned, and there's a reason for them having sat uncleaned in the window they're encased in for so long. And the reason is... Yes, you've guessed it, because I kind of already told you. They're cursed. They are a collection of cursed bottles. The tale goes that in 1725, almost 300 years ago, the innkeeper of the pub was moving these bottles in the window of which they still stand when he suddenly dropped dead of a heart attack. His wife proclaimed the bottles cursed and declared that anyone who dared move or touch them would suffer the same fate as her husband. A century later, a workman was hired to renovate the window where the bottles still rested. After hearing the stories surrounding the curse, he scoffed and carried on with his work, only to collapse and die in the street outside as soon as the day was finished. After this, the bottles were sealed away behind another interior window so that no one tempted to test the curse could ever befall the same tragedy and safe to say, no human has laid a hand upon them since. The pub, originally called Ye Old Cross, closed down for a number of years in the early 2000s, but was bought, reopened and renamed the Dirty Bottles in 2014 and remains open to this day. Allegedly, the ghost of the unfortunate landlord still haunts his old pub, reportedly scaring staff and patrons by rattling glasses and swearing at them. Swearing at the staff and patrons, I think, not the glasses. Maybe he is, maybe he's got a thing about glass matter. Understandable, given the circumstances. But yeah, that's the story of the dirty bottles. So Joss, I hope you enjoyed that, brief as it may have been and that you enjoy the rest of this episode, which I dedicate to you and our new friend Seth. May your chimneys be forever swept, and your bottles remain perpetually dirty. Dirty. Oh, what a dirty little bottle you are. Let me give you a good clean... No, no, I'm dead.
I'm not dead. Not yet. I ain't got time to die because I want to tell you another story. And that story is about 39 de Grey Street in the East Yorkshire city of Hull, England, which is the subject of today's episode. If you hadn't already heard of 39 de Grey Street Hull, then join the club, because I hadn't either until a few weeks ago. I found it on my Strumpshaw, Tingleton and Giggleswick's craftily conjured Great British Folklore and Superstitions map, and it's got a little bit on it, on its mappy little paper surface, about 39 de Grey Street Hull. And I was immediately intrigued when I saw it and thought, I want to know more about 39 de Grey Street Hull if it's the last thing I ever do. I've been to Hull, the East Yorkshire city of Hull, the fourth largest city in the Yorkshire and Humber region, after Leeds, Sheffield and Bradford. I went there about four or five years ago to visit the Deep, which is a massive, cool aquarium in an equally cool, pointy, boat-shaped building on Tower Street at the confluence of the River Hull and the Humber estuary. Confluence means at the junction of two rivers, Hull's full name is Kingston-upon-Hull, but it's usually abbreviated to Hull. It's a port city, hugely historically iconic for being so, and it lies upon the River Hull, which, let me tell you, is huge. If you've got a car, you can drive across it on a giant bridge called the Humber Bridge, which stretches almost one and a half miles across the water from Lincolnshire to East Yorkshire. And it's an incredibly iconic, I've said iconic once, I'm going to say it again, it's iconic and distinctive. It's an iconic and distinctive landmark in itself. During the Second World War Blitz, sadly 95% of the city was damaged or destroyed and suffered a period of industrial and societal decline. But in the early 21st century, large amounts were spent on new retail, commercial housing and public services. And in 2017, it was awarded the UK City of Culture, which Bradford has also just been named as for 2025. You go, Bradford. When I visited Hull, I felt it had quite a continental aura about it. Some of the buildings looked rather Amsterdam-y, which isn't surprising considering the two ports are so close to each other across the sea. Whatever bit of sea that is. Is it, is it the North Sea? Is it? I think it is. You can also get a ferry from Hull to Amsterdam, which is what I also did once, but I did really like Hull. It had a nice peaceful vibe, lovely marina, nice pubs, and I went to a really nice tapas restaurant and a pub called The Lion and Key, which was awesome. There was a lovely little cafe I remember going to in Trinity Square, I think it was right by the Minster, which is a big old medieval church in the centre of Hull, but there wasn't anywhere I went to in Hull that I didn't like. Any village, town or city that's near a load of water (laughs) gets my vote for a holiday. But have a look online at all that Hull has to offer and perhaps plan a visit there. I might not recommend that you visit 39 de Grey Street, however, as it sounds like you might regret it. Because it's absolutely crawling with supernatural activity. I might also not recommend that you listen to this story if you're particularly affected by all the things highlighted in the trigger warnings. So please give yourself a moment to pause and peruse them if you haven't already done so. 39 de Grey Street Hull, otherwise known as The Hostel, 
is widely described by paranormal enthusiasts as Hull's most haunted house and one of the most haunted houses in Britain. If you look at it on a map, it appears to be near a park called Pearson Park off Beverly Road between an area called Skullcoats, uh, I think that's how you say it, and an area named Newland. I hope these names are familiar to somebody. But if you look at it online, you can see where it is for yourself. If you click on Street View, you can get a good gawk at the house itself. It's the one with white peeling paint, blue garage door and blue detailing around the windows and gable. The patch of garden at the front is overgrown and the lower floor windows are boarded up because, as is to be expected, due to its intensely haunted status, it is not currently occupied and stands devoid of human inhabitants. Non-living ones, that is. It's decidedly unsettling to look at. It most certainly does not exude warmth, which is sad and scary at the same time. It's a very melancholic-looking house that would no doubt look lovely if there was someone living in it, but at the moment, it's unfortunately being terrorised by ghosts. Ghosts. This seven-bedroomed, semi-detached house is currently owned by Andrew Yates, who bought it all the way back in the early 2000s, but now rents it out to paranormal groups wishing to conduct investigations there, as he's too scared to live there himself. Andrew, despite having been a paranormal sceptic before moving into the property, became a fully-fledged believer in the spirit world after being driven out of his home eight years after purchasing it due to unexplained phenomena wreaking havoc upon his life. Mr Yates initially put these strange occurrences, such as moving objects, down to his forgetfulness, but after a series of unsettling experiences, he couldn't deny that something otherworldly may be going on inside his home. Speaking of 39 de Grey Street to Hull Daily Mail in 2019, he states, Really odd things happened, such as the remote moving off my seat to the other corner of the room when I got up from watching telly, but I tried to debunk it and tell myself I'd moved it. Pictures used to be at right angles, so I would move them back into place then the next day they'd be skew up again, like they'd been pushed. I had a cat, and it would jump off my knee, and the hair was up on its neck. It seemed as if it was looking at things, but when I looked, nothing was there. I felt scared living here, and realised that something really sinister was happening when I came downstairs to the kitchen one morning and saw steak knives balanced across the top of the plates in the drying rack. I thought that if something could move a knife, then there was definitely some force working against me in my house. Some of the most terrifying encounters, however, experienced by Andrew at 39 Degree Street were much more frightening than moving objects and involved actual sightings of seemingly restless phantom children. I was asleep in bed, but woke up about 3am to see something at the bottom of my bed. I thought that it must be a burglar that had got into my house, but when I looked closer, I thought that it was a girl stood there that looked hazy and was around seven years old. I thought I must be dreaming, so I rubbed my eyes and pinched myself and saw that it was a ghost. She had tears in her eyes and she seemed to be pleading for help. 
At least 20 minutes must have gone by with her being there, and I had no idea what to do, and was just laid motionless. I had a baseball bat by my bed, and waggled it at the apparition to try and make it go away, and then it faded into the fireplace and disappeared. I've gone from being the biggest ghost sceptic to being one of the biggest believers. Every time I come back to the house, I remember the place being my home, and I get uncomfortable thinking back to what happened to me in there. I always get headaches here, and a feeling of sadness and upset consumes me. It's weird having people come in and out of the house for psychic evenings, but there's something that I started in order to pay the mortgage, and I couldn't live here anymore after everything that went on. The final straw for Andrew was when his partner moved into number 39 and fell pregnant. Concerned for the safety of both his partner and their child in the midst of such disturbing activity, they finally left the property for good. Although he has since attempted to rent the property, no one has managed to stay more than a night. Four sets of families have tried to live there, with none having managed to stay more than a single night due to the youngest members having woken up screaming inside the early hours. One past tenant of number 39, who'd lived in the building for 24 years before its ownership passed to Mr Yates, contacted him on Facebook when she noticed it was being advertised for rent. She told him she'd also encountered a range of paranormal activity whilst residing there, with her experiences manifesting in a much more violent manner. She'd been dragged out of bed and strangled by unseen hands, prompting her to phone the police, who, after arriving, accused her of fabricating the incident when they found no intruder in the house. Just as they exited the property, however, a bookcase suddenly fell and landed heavily on top of them, at which they hurriedly fled the building, frightened by what they'd witnessed. I'm still listening. Uh, 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 not much is known of 39 de Grey Street's history. I've tried to find some concrete stats on when it was built, but the best I've found is a summary from Check My Postcode, which says that residential buildings situated inside de Grey Street postcode were typically constructed between 1900 and 1929. But if it it was built between 1900 and 1929, that means that it's definitely at least 100 years old. And if it has stood for an entire century, then that means it's had its fair share of feet treading across the boards of its interior, which leads us to wonder what manner of individual or individuals may be responsible for all the scary stuff that's been happening inside it. Some paranormal experts think they may be able to provide some answers to the enigma that is 39 Degree Street Hull. Investigators from TV channel Reelies show Help My House is Haunted, created by the infamous Zach Bagans and hosted by Barry Guy, where a team of paranormal experts travel the country looking into instances of supposedly haunted UK homes, recorded a range of activity that appeared to focus quite firmly around the ghosts of children. Psychic Chris Fleming, upon hearing the sound of a child crying, responded with the words, I can hear a child yelling, do you want to go home? He went on to explain, 
there's a male spirit in the house that doesn't want these children to leave. This little girl is telling me to be careful of the mirrors, because there are others here that shouldn't be. When introduced to one of the bedrooms where an eerie collection of plastic dolls hang from its walls, he said, I don't like this room. I'm getting chills. This house feels like a macabre theme park, and these possessed dolls are conduits for demonic and mischievous entities. At one point, he claimed a great white shadow flew across the floor, while in another moment, he claimed that a mirror was in fact a portal for a spirit attack. During this episode, it was claimed by author Mark Riley that the house was once previously a foster home, during which time 15 to 20 children were murdered by the carers who lived there with them. Andrew Yates himself has been told by multiple mediums that the house is haunted by two adult males and one adult female. They are dominant, malicious spirits in the house, he said, and they are believed to be foster carers of terminally ill children who were brought here to be cared for before they died. The 15 to 20 child spirits that are present here were abused by their foster carers in the house and are trapped here with the foster carers all blaming each other for what they did. The cupboard under the stairs is quite notorious, with lots of mediums saying they believe children had been locked in there. One visitor even became supposedly possessed by a spirit that admitted to killing several children. Clairvoyant medium Jolene Lockwood described the house as horrific when she sensed the presence of what she described as an evil entity and a child. As soon as I walked into the house, I just felt this horrific energy, she said. Then I noticed a woman on the stairs, who I believed had been drugged. Dutch exorcist Mario Tebenhoff, head of Paranormal Research Europe, again in 2019, visited the property with the Yorkshire Ghost Hunts Group to examine the phenomena for himself. There's a man here in his 50s that I've seen, he said, and he's not a nice person. I don't think he sees us, he just sees himself. Only the home surrounded by the furniture and decorations that are just the same as they were when he lived. It's like he is just stuck in time and doesn't realise that he needs to move on. Additional phenomena reported by various investigators over the years include being touched having hair or clothing pulled, including an alarming incident where one team member was dragged into the understairs cupboard. Phone batteries suddenly die despite being fully charged, chairs move, candles blow out by themselves, and strange, unexplained faces have appeared in the windows while nobody is inside. This last claim of ghostly faces appearing from inside the windows of 39 Degray Street has resulted in local police actually breaking into the property in case someone who shouldn't be in there is in there. Like a burglar or a squatter or something like that. Squatting Neville. It was probably Squatting Neville. Except it wasn't because there was no Squatting Neville to be found. In fact, there was nobody to be found. The faces remain, to this day, unexplained. So, there are some interesting and horrible theories 
I'm unable to find any evidence of whether 39 Degray Street was a children's home or not. I hope it wasn't, even though, obviously, it's interesting and exciting to think that these ghosts are real. But that nasty history, I think we can all agree, we all hope that didn't happen. I'm also not sure why it's called the hostel. I think that might be for dramatic effect. Maybe the name was chosen in connection to the foster home element. I don't know. But either way, many people like to refer to it as such. And you can visit the hostel and book yourself on a paranormal night there, where I presume there'll be lots of medium tech and talking to spirits action. Eventbrite seem to have a few places currently available, so I'll add that to the show notes and you can take a look to see if any of the dates suit your requirements. If you do want to go on a 39 Degree Street paranormal nighttime event, that is, you might not, and that's fine. I don't care. I'm going to put a picture of 39 Degree Street on Instagram and Twitter, and you can't stop me, guys. I've also started adding such posts as these to the coffee page as well if you'd rather not go on social media to look at it, and I won't blame you. Because the coffee page is very new, I've only just started recently posting on there, so if you do want to look at references to old episodes, from episode 23 downwards, I'm afraid you'll have to take to the other pages, but from now on, there will be posts on there relating to things we've talked about on here. Does that make sense? Yeah? Are you sure? (laughs) If you'd like to watch some footage from paranormal investigations conducted inside the haunted halls of 39 Degray Street, just type 39 Degray Street Hole into Google or YouTube and a nice long list will appear. I'll add one or two to the Very Scary VT playlist on YouTube as well. There are lots of dolls in there. I don't know why. I think they're probably both to freak you out and perhaps entice the supposed child spirits to come out and communicate with investigating types. Speaking of child spirits, Helen King. Hopefully you remember Helen King from the York's Haunted Pubs episode, episode number 15. Helen told us some scary stories from when she lived in a building, which is now a pub. Please have a listen to that episode, especially at the end when I tell some of Helen's personal paranormal experiences. It'll also give you some more context about the building she used to live in as a child, but she sent me a little update about this particular building via Twitter, because she regularly goes back to visit her childhood home, and she was recently chatting to the current owner, who told her some spooky stories of her own that she'd experienced around the place. This is what Helen sent me via Twitter. Hi Vic, hope all is well. Just thought you would like to know there is still activity going on in my former home. It's been taken over as a new bar business, and we went in the other day for a couple of drinks. The lady who owns the building works there, and she and her manager were asking questions and telling their stories. They've both heard childlike footsteps up and down the stairs, and sounds of keys jangling. They said there is a man and a child upstairs, They've done some decorating and renovating, and I think that stirred things up. The owner said she used to see an elderly lady at the back of the property years ago, always at 2pm before she would fade away. Think she was a resident from very early 1900s. Exciting stuff. Exciting stuff indeed, Helen. Thank you very much for sharing. 
Like I said, listeners, go and have a listen to episode number 15, York's Haunted Pubs, for more of Helen's stories and to hear some additional tales of terrifying phantoms that are said to tread the carpets of the city's public houses. Thanks, Helen. Thanks, Seth. Thanks, Joss. And thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed letting me inject a bit of East Yorkshire soul into your day. Long live 39 Degray Street and all who haunt her, and may her power forever compel you to never presume that all dirty bottles wish to be cleaned. Just leave them alone. Leave the dirty little naughty Northumbrian cursed bottles alone. See you later. Bye. I'm actually enjoying a bit of sun this year.